Greetings and salutations, fellow human. My name is Cam, and I am joined across our awesome table by the one and only David Juanes Hogue. How are you, sir? I am great. I always enjoy um, our time together, and I'm excited that we're recording another episode tonight. So. Indeed. Yes, it's good. We took, we took a week just to chill last time and we hang did. out and talk, and that was... Not what we planned, but no, it worked out, I think, just fine to have a week just to, you know, have the microphones off. This is true. Very true. And just, you know, enjoy some friend time. Absolutely. So we're back. Yes, we are back behind these awesome microphones that make me sound very cool. <laughs> Not, can you imagine if I talk like that all the time? No, that would. Pardon me. I have to <laughs> relieve myself. <laughs> Do you ever, okay, this is totally off tan, off topic, but during the NCAA tournament, there was, you know, the Capital One commercials that have Samuel L. Jackson and Charles Barkley and Spike Jones. Yes. And I will admit that they caused me to chuckle out loud more because than once. Because they're ridiculous. Yes. I mean, Charles plays a dummy. Charles is well. great. Yeah. What does he call the armadillo? The, uh. The, the turtle, the turtle mouse or something. Yeah. Like. Anyways, there's one where they're at Jim Nance's house. Who's the announcer. Mm-hmm. And he's talking about everyday things, but in his announcer voice. Mm-hmm. And I was like, someone finally made the joke. The joke, yeah. The, you have an announcer I'll voice. I'll be right back with those chairs, gentlemen. And it's just... <laughs> Anyways, that's where my mind occupies most of the day, is in those really <laughs> ridiculous, stupid places. Um, so I guess that makes sense of a lot of what comes out of my mouth on this show, is <laughs> that sort of stuff. But anyways, um, you're doing all right? I'm doing well, and how about you? I'm good. I'm a bit, I had a headache all day today. I had to work from seven to three at the coffee shop. It was painfully slow. Ooh. And I had a pounding headache the entire time. Never fun. But right now I feel good. My headache <laughs> went away at like five o'clock. Cause I was, I was like, oh man, tonight's going to be rough. I'm not going to be myself. But then right about five o'clock. I came alive, Dave. I cooked, <laughs> I cooked dinner. I did oh. the dishes. I vacuumed. I took a shower. Like I was very unordinarily productive. That's good. So, cause all I wanted to do was take a nap. <laughs> things had to get done. My wife had, was having some friends come over. So I had to, oh. you know, well, I had to cook dinner for, for me and the wife and then clean it up and then get the house ready for the friends while she was taking care of the baby. So. I feel good. Excellent. I did take a nap today and it was very refreshing. So, well, I'll tell you what, I, my plan is to not be up till one o'clock tonight, <laughs> but I'll probably be up till one o'clock tonight because I blame Fortnite. Mm-hmm. Um, the total shameless plug here that probably doesn't matter. <laughs> I have started to stream video games on Twitch because it's fun. Mm-hmm. So I used to do a bunch of YouTube videos, mm-hmm. right? And those were a ton of fun to make, but I had to film everything, had to come up with the idea, get all of my shots, like my shot list, my topic list, get all the shots. And then I had to, after I got all the filming done, go put it together, compile it, edit it, add music. It's a very involved process, right? Yeah. To put out a anywhere from two to 15 minute video. With streaming video games, I literally click st- start stream. I play a video game and I talk and I gesture to the, the camera <laughs> and, I, and I make bad jokes. And then when I'm done, I hit stop. That's it. Wow. 
much easier. No editing. No, I just play the game and one other person watches right now. The goal is to get more. <laughs> uh, so if you're into video games and you want to watch me play them, <laughs> I will have a link in the show notes to my Twitch account. Did you know? Okay. Oh man. There are people. Their full-time job is streaming video games on Twitch. I did not know that. There is a, there are, there is one dude. He has 230,000 subscribers on Twitch. Wow. Subscribers means they either pay $5 a month to subscribe to your channel or they Amazon bought Twitch. Mm -hmm. So your Amazon Prime gives you Twitch Prime and Twitch Prime gives you one free subscription each month. So this dude that has 230,000 subscribers, 230,000. Hold on. I'm going to get my calculator out here real quick. 230 oh, times on. five. Is that what you're going to do? Times five. It's like it's over a million. Point, it's $1.15 million. Now he only gets half of that. Twitch gets half. He gets half. So times only. 0.5. So this he's making $775,000 oh, a month. Just to play video games. Now, granted, he's very good, and he's also <laughs> quite entertaining. I'm guessing um, he's under 30 as well. He's 26. 26. In Chicago. Um, so, and that is just from subscriptions. That's not from donations. Or That's not from advertisers. any. Yeah. Well, no, he doesn't do advertising, but you can, he gets donations. Mm -hmm. He has merchandise. And you can, because Amazon owns Twitch, you can do Amazon affiliate linking. Like this is the webcam I use, you know, buy Ninja's uh. webcam, <laughs> buy Ninja's chair, buy Ninja's mouse, buy Ninja. The, so he can sell his, the gear that he uses on that site. I don't know if he does or not, but you, that's an option to do. Plus he has merchandise. Plus he gets donations. That's impressive. A month <laughs> times 12. 6.9 6 million, million a year. Million. Now that's before taxes, obviously. So let's just be aggressive and say he's only getting 60% back. He's paying 40% in taxes. He's making 4 mil a year to play Fortnite. Good for him. Now I know. Why am I even talking about it? Anyways, that's his job. <laughs> So I'm streaming video games now, not because I want to make that. I mean, I do want to make that kind of money, but I probably won't. But if I can make an extra hundred bucks a month to like. Sure. Help pay my mortgage. Why not? Why not? Wow. That took way longer than I anticipated. David. <laughs> don't ever ask me how I'm doing again ever. Let's just. Get... <laughs> oh man. I totally like hijacked the podcast there. I'm very sorry. I think you're fine. All right. Um, but that's not why we're here. We are here to talk about the Bible, God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, Christianity, faith of the church. Sure. The things that me and you love to talk about, amongst other things. Yes. So, should we get to that? We can certainly do that, yes. All right. All right, so we're on Romans 3 tonight, and we're going to start with verse 27, and we're going to finish up this chapter. So, Romans 3. 27 begins with, then what becomes of our boasting? It is excluded by what kind of law? By law of works? No, but by the law of faith. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Or is God the God of Jews only? 
Is he not the God of Gentiles also? Yes, of Gentiles also, since God is one who justifies the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. Do we then overthrow the law by this faith? By no means. On the contrary, we uphold the law. Well, that's kind of confusing. Well, Paul likes to <laughs> <laughs> likes to do that, unfortunately. Or you know, the English uh, translators. Um, mm, Greek is that's Greek a good point. Is that tricky. is a good point. One of the things that I think is helpful, especially for some of Paul's um, heavier or trickier sections, is to read it in different translations. Because the Greek can be rather tricky. Um, and the, the reason I say that is because in English, word order is very important. It's one of the, the things that makes English kind of what it is, is that word order is sort of paramount. You know, that's why when Yoda talks the way Yoda talks, <laughs> we think it's funny, right? And right. Like, why are you talking like Yoda? Talk like a normal person. Because word order... In English is very important, whereas in Greek, especially, you know, Koine Greek, which is the Greek of the New Testament, word order is not as important in, say, like the um, conversational way that it is in English. It is more important about emphasis on what you're trying to uh, communicate, like Yoda. He's trying to communicate something, and so his word order is a bit out of place but you know exactly what he means. So it can be a bit tricky to um, translate Paul. That's not to say that these translations are inaccurate. It's just to say that, that it is helpful to look at multiple, you know, translations of some of Paul's trickier passages to see what the interpretive um, options are. Mm -hmm. Word choice, uh, intent, that sort of stuff. So if you're ever stuck on a passage in Paul, it is obviously, you know, get a commentary or, you know, talk to a, a pastor or read an article by a scholar. But, you know, the easiest thing to do is to grab your ESV, your new American standard, your NIV and like the message mm -hmm. and just kind of see what you can pull from those. Did we do that for this episode? Nope. <laughs> so we're just going to roll with it. But um, all right. So what becomes of our boasting? It is excluded. What boasting is he talking about? I believe there's, there's a boasting of being Jewish here, of being, we are God's chosen people. And so therefore, since we are God's chosen people, there's sort of this, um, a, a, uh, giving a pass in terms of, you know, if you're God's chosen people, you're God's chosen people. What else? I mean, what else do you need? And, and I think he's saying, man, that's yeah. not I, what it was at one point. Yeah. Especially because if we, you know, you, you scroll back a bit, we're talking about the circumcision versus the uncircumcision and, you know, the Jews first and then the Gentiles and, and you get into acts and all of the, uh, the arguments that are being had between Peter and Paul and the Jewish Christians and the Gentile Christians about should the Gentiles become Jews first and then Christians. So yeah, I think you're, you're spot on about that. And it is again, uh, I think interesting that Paul is the one saying we shouldn't boast because in a different part of scripture, he's saying I am the, G you know, 
I'm the Jew of all Jews. Yeah, I did this. You know, if you want to talk about that, I did it. If you want to talk about that, I did it. If you want to talk about that, oh, I'm better than you at that. Um, But then he says, but none of that really shakes out to be what we think it is. Uh, So he says the boasting is excluded. It does not matter that we can boast in our Jewishness or in our people of Godness because Jesus has come and kind of leveled the playing field for anybody, right? Mm -hmm. Those who have faith get to be part of the club. Mm -hmm. So by what kind of law is it excluded? By a law of works? No, the law of faith. And again, he's referencing what we talked about last episode where it says the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law of works, right? I'm I'm adding works. uh, That's my addition to scripture, but it's what it's referencing. Uh, Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, for there is no distinction. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show his righteousness, so on, so forth. We wind up at, is it by law of works? No, it's by faith, right? It does not matter if you are Jew or Gentile, if you are physically circumcised or physically uncircumcised, right? It is a matter of the heart Mm -hmm. is really what Paul has been driving at this entire time. He's taken a few sidesteps to explain things, to get to things, but essentially it all comes down to it is a matter of the heart between you and God and being judged by that law of faith. Mm -hmm. So in 28, he says, for we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Okay. So we should talk about justification, which I think we talked about a bit in previous episodes, but just as a refresher. When you hear the word justification in this context, what comes to mind? So you say in this context. Um, in, in the biblical context. When, okay. when someone in the Bible, mainly Paul, says justification or one is justified, what, is he, what does he mean by that? I, so in the simplest terms, I guess when you say Justified in the context of the Bible, I think about my sins being forgiven. I think about being made right before God um, in a way that I have no ability in my own to make myself right before God. So if I'm justified, then Jesus is, again, I think about the cross. I think him taking upon his sin and making me acceptable to God because of what he did on the cross. And so that's justified for me is is the forgiveness of sin and not just a forgiveness but kind of this um something happens that allows me to be in the presence of God that otherwise I have no business well I still don't have any business being there but but circumstances have changed mm-hmm. so what is that thing that has changed you said being justified means something has changed so that you can be in the presence of God. What is the thing that has changed? Like when you become justified, you go from, you know, scenario a to scenario B. Mm-hmm. What is the difference between those two scenarios? Uh, I think for me, what 
and I hope this is what you're looking for. Is that no, I know. Is 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 there's this I'm sinful and I'm not worthy to be in the presence of God. And now I've been forgiven of my sin. Because you can't be sinful and be <laughs> wow, that was crazy. I just totally knocked the microphone out in front of my face. I talk with my hands. You can't see that listening to me on the uh the podcast here. Um but but I've gone from being unworthy of being in God's presence to I am now worthy. Well, I'm still not worthy, but Jesus has 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 taken my place. And so I think that's the the that I'm not I feel like I'm not doing a complete um just justification. I'm not doing the <laughs> Yeah. You're not I see justifying it. your answer of justification. <laughs> I I can now be in God's presence because of what what Jesus has done for me and specifically he died on the cross for my sins and he took my place. He um he paid the debt that was mine that I couldn't pay and allowed me to be able to be in God's presence. So Yeah. I agree. Um the the way that helps me remember kind of how this all works and this, this works for me. It may not work for you or for, you know, the listeners, but if I think of a, like a legal mm-hmm. case, I don't know about you. My mom was what was still is obsessed with law and order. Like I think <laughs> she's seen every episode of law and order and law and order SVU, like probably five times each episode. And there's like thousands of them. It was just always on in our house. So the courtroom and, you know, the police work like are just ever present in my brain. Um, So what helps me think about justification is I'm standing in the courtroom accused of or uh, being condemned for a crime. Mm -hmm. And God is the judge. Mm -hmm. And. I'm being accused of whatever my sins are that make me worthy of going to jail or in, you know, the biblical sense, hell. Right. Um, and I am, I'm going to be condemned. I'm going to be found guilty and there's no defense I can mount that will change that verdict. I, they've got me red red handed, dead to rights, whatever, you know, phrase you want to use. I have no defense. Mm -hmm. And Justification then means Jesus comes and doesn't prove me innocent. No. Oh, no at no. all. No. I'm not found innocent of those, those sins or those crimes. Instead, he cuts a deal with the judge that says, you know what? I know that Cameron is guilty of everything that you have found him to be guilty of. And it's God, so he's found everything. Mm-hmm. The list is long. But I want you to allow me to stand in his place in your judgment and allow him to go on free. Mm -hmm. And so justification then means that that trade happens. Jesus trades himself for me. He goes to the cross. He is crucified. He is buried and he, you know, is resurrected. And in that resurrection, all of the people that Jesus has been a, substitution for that's where you get the term substitutionary atonement from all of those people that he has substituted himself in place of then gain, as it says in some of other Paul's writings, 
we gain the righteousness of Christ. So when God sees us and looks down at Dave and looks down at Cam and looks down at you, the listener, he does not see the list of sins you have committed. He sees you literally clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Mm -hmm. because of what Christ did on the cross. And that is why the gospel is incredibly important and unique and mind boggling because it doesn't matter what we do, how hard we try, uh, how many prayers we pray, how many Bible studies we go to. We're not going to earn that righteousness. It is something that God required to be satisfied in something that Jesus freely gave in this crazy little deal that they came up with (laughs) that, that God would send Jesus, Jesus would take our place and then, we would all be made right with God in that transaction. Mm -hmm. And so when I think of justification, it's really hard to define easily. You spent three minutes talking. I know (laughs) I've spent five (laughs) minutes talking about it or whatever the time shakes out to be, but it's one of those terms that is so loaded with meaning and emotion and cosmic consequences that I think it's totally worth taking a time out to discuss, even if we've talked about it on previous episodes, because we may have done a better job then or a better job now at explaining it. But it's something that every single time you come across in scripture, it is worth taking a moment to go, holy crap. Yeah. That one word justification or being justified encompasses the gospel. Right. In its entirety, which is nuts. Right. That you can encompass (laughs) something so magnificent and truly unique and universe changing in a word. Yeah. And I don't know. I just, the more I talk about it, the more excited I get. So I just think it's, it's an incredibly important word because of what it represents. Mm -hmm. And what it represents is the most important thing that any human could ever know or understand. Yeah. And, you know, I think the other thing too is, is that, you know, in the same way for us, there's this element of, you know, I'm made right before God, even though I don't deserve that. Mm -hmm. I I certainly think there was, I certainly think there's people in his audience that thought, well, of course I'm justified. I'm, I'm a, I'm a legitimate Jew. I'm a legitimate upholder of the law. And, um, he's basically saying, you know, that doesn't really cut it anymore. Like you may think you're there, but no. Yeah. Okay. So let's, let's put that in modern American terms. Mm -hmm. It's not about being the Jew of Jews, right? But it's about it's about being the American, the Americans American, right? Mm-hmm. I, you know, uh, I have a big house. I have a nice car. I've got a hot wife. My kids are smart <laughs> and they're going to go to an Ivy league school. Right. You know, I own a, I own a boat or, you know, I belong to the, the country club, but like, it sounds silly when we say it that way. Cause you know, it's modern, but like, that's what Paul's getting at. Like whatever the cultural expectations are for cultural excellence, That's what he was talking about in that Jewish culture. It was about being culturally excellent, about having power, about being a figure of authority, of about being able to walk into a room and go, yep, I'm the most powerful guy here. And so if we translate that to wherever you live, uh, you know, 
in this world, what are the things in your culture that when you walk into a room, you can say, yep, I've got what everyone in here wants. Yeah. And we live in the suburbs. So that's security. That's money. That's nice things. That's comfort. You know, and in, in, in the suburbs, the trophy wife, you know, the, the, <laughs> the kid who's, you know, the star of the football team or like, and I'm generalizing here, but I think it's important for us because I think it's hard for me as someone who's not Jewish and who didn't grow up in a place where that was important. Right. I grew up in a place where money and uh, a fancy title was important and being able to buy your kids a BMW for their 16th birthday was important. Oh, I didn't get one. And I'm glad I didn't get one because that would have gone straight to my head and I would have been a total douche about it. <laughs> so it was really good that my parents didn't do that for me. Um, yeah, I would have wrecked me. I would have been such a jerk. But I think it is important, you know, to contextualize scripture to your current setting in a way that does not uh, invalidate the truth that's being told. And so I think it's, it's in this instance, when we're talking about Paul and boasting in what makes you culturally relevant or culturally powerful to say, okay, nowadays that doesn't mean you're a Jew of Jews. Nowadays, it means you're a Kardashian or you're a powerful lawyer or doctor, or you, you know, are CEO of a big company or whatever it is that like we look up to Mm -hmm. as if I have that, that means I'll have arrived. That's what Paul's talking about. Mm -hmm. And Paul was able to say, I've got that. I can't say that. Right. I work at a coffee shop. <laughs> um, but it is important, especially for those of us that are in, you know, in my scenario where we want more out of life, we aspire, we have ambition for greater things to understand why we have that ambition and why we have that desire. Is it just, I want to provide a better life for my family? No shame in that. Or is it because I want to walk in the room and look at everyone and go, yep. I've got the authority. I've got the power. Mm -hmm. Those are two different things. And that second one is very sexy and very, very tempting for someone like me. Mm -hmm. I'd love to walk in a room and feel that. Mm -hmm. And that is not a good thing to want. No, that's true. Because it's totally selfish. There's nothing good about wanting to have that feeling. Mm -hmm. Because all it is is that it's about me. Mm -hmm. And I get that's kind of what Paul is saying here. What about our boasting? It's excluded. Leave it at the door. Check your ego. It doesn't, it doesn't belong here. It doesn't matter. You want to boast, go somewhere else. This is not a place for boasters Mm -hmm. because guess what? You didn't accomplish Jack squat and we're back to justification, right? Mm -hmm. It's all about what Jesus did on the cross. Right. But don't, don't you think there is like, as, as, as I read the old Testament, don't you think there is sort of this element of, if you are a good person, if you do, if you are somebody that pursues God, he blesses you. I mean, don't you think well, the Old Testament and, and before Jesus came, there was this element of if you're a good Jew, if you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, God blesses you. And one of the ways that we know that you're doing what you're supposed to be doing is we can visit, we can look at these things and say, well, of course he is this because God has blessed him with these things. Yes. And that's in the New Testament where we get the, the fruit of the spirit is, mm-hmm. is, you know, the Jesusified version of, you know, what that looks like. But at the same time, if you look at a number of the stories in the Old Testament, Jews that were being good Jews often got the shaft 
mm-hmm. Job, David, mm-hmm. uh, Joseph, um, Abraham. So it's not a, if you're a good Jew, God will bless you, period. It's like, yeah, God's going to bless you if you were chasing after him and are trying to, um, trying to live a life that is honoring to him. Sure. But that does not exclude you from crap hitting the fan. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I I, I don't, I don't say don't try and, 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 you know, pursue those things. I say absolutely pursue, pursue holiness, pursue righteousness, pursue, uh, being like Christ, pursue the, the things that, that God, you know, says are good and right and true. But that's also very different from pursuing what's going to make me the authority or the power in a room, mm-hmm. especially where we live and when we live. If I'm pursuing the things that are going to make me more like Christ and the things that are going to give me, you know, eyes and ears and a heart for brokenness and poverty and, and injustice and the things that that God breaks for, I'm not going to be able to walk into a room of powerful Americans and go, I got you all on lock societally, mm-hmm. spiritually, probably. But if I'm bragging about that, then again, we're back to the base issue. Sure. So I think it's, I think it's a different thing. I think it's, it's kind of like one uh, a and one B in the sense that like, if, if it's about my ego or about my cultural standing or about how I matter societally, mm-hmm then that is an issue that God is going to have to break down in my life because that's about justification by works or faith by works or, uh, attaining salvation because of what I'm trying to accomplish on my own, which is, which is a selfish and egotistical thing versus trying to attain a closer relationship with God, which I don't think he would ever say, Tisk, tisk, tisk. You're trying too hard because <laughs> you're striving for things and mm-hmm. you're trying to grow and improve. But I think that one is a very, very good thing to strive and try to attain, which is a closer relationship with God, a better understanding of who he is, of his truth and who his people are and how you can help those people versus how can I help myself and only myself? so that I can feel better about myself around the other broken people that are trying to cover up their brokenness. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I really hope that made sense. It did. Sometimes I I talk and I just stop and I don't know where I was for the last few minutes. No, I believe it. It very much, uh, I, I believe very much makes sense. So, for we hold that uh, yet one is justified by faith apart from works of the law or is God the God of the Jews only? Is he not the God of the Gentiles also? Yes, of course, of the Gentiles also, since God is one who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. So we have God. Yes, God mm-hmm. is one. God is the God of everyone. Do we then overthrow the law? By this faith, by no means, on the contrary, we uphold the law. And this is where I think it gets very interesting. Because it seems like he's contradicting himself. The law is not by, you know, the law of works doesn't work. It's all by faith. But do we overthrow the law? No, we uphold it. Well, hang on a second. How can we 
how can we in one sentence say the law is not what saves us. The law is what points to our sin, but mm-hmm. we need to be saved by faith. So if by, if we, you know, are saved by faith then do we get rid of the law? No, we uphold it. Well, why do we uphold it? If faith is what has us covered or clothed in Christ's righteousness, then why is the law still important? Why do we still uphold the law if that is not what saves us? Well, I, I, I don't know. Well, I think, I think one of the things is, is that's inherent to who God is. You know, God is, is hmm. righteousness. God is truth. I mean, I think there's just certain things that, that are inherent to who God is. And when you try to bring that into the physical world where us as human beings live, the way that we understand it, the way that we can point to it is through the law. And, and so it doesn't change who God is or how he functions or how he operates. It's this attempt that we have to um, meet God's expectation of us. And, and ultimately, I think the law points us to the fact of we are sinners. We can't do it on our own. And ultimately, we are in need of a savior. And so this, the law points out to us that we serve, we have, there is a good, righteous God who in his nature is love, in his nature is truth, and in his nature is to, to give us grace. You know, I think if, if long before Jesus came, if you read the Old Testament, I think God's grace is evident. And so in all of these things, the way we try to meet God is, this, is what we call the law, uh, a set of rules, a set of expectations for us. And we do our best to do it, and all of us just fall short. And so we're in need of grace, and we're in, in need of, of a Redeemer because... You know, I, I for me personally, I think a lot of things get elevated in terms of sin, not sin, get elevated to a point that they don't deserve or, or to a to a level that they don't deserve. And we tend to focus on we we tend to focus on thumb, some things and we tend to overlook um other things. Mm-hmm. And um I don't want to get too terribly into a, a deep um uh dissection of this or 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 trying to but I, but I guess for me personally one of the things I look at is 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 we we hold sexual sin to this higher level well you we know, hold certain sexual sins certain to sexual a higher sins level. Uh, well I, I i think we hold a lot of sexual sins to a certain level homosexuality which we've talked about many times on here seems to get elevated higher than any other. Mm-hmm. I think adultery is another one. And I, I even, I disagree with that. I think we are so passe with adultery. It's, I think it's laughable how we handle that in the church or divorce. See, divorce is the one that I would agree with you on that, uh, that that's, that's even one of those ones that um, the church that I belong at, where I'm an elder at, uh, kind of the two big things that were kind of on the forefront of, of issues to deal with are homosexuality and divorce. And I, I can accept where our church has landed. 
but I guess I would agree with you in that homosexuality has this higher oh, it's so, place of sin. So heightened. But being divorced and then like, well, but if I remarry another Christian, I'm okay. And to be quite That's adul- candid it's adultery. And, and honest, if I read the Bible, it's adultery. It is adultery. Yeah. But we're okay with that. And honestly, I'm not even sure that we shouldn't be somewhat okay with that. But why do we elevate homosexuality as a sin to the degree that we do because it's not natural dave (laughs) so so i think i think sexual sins in a certain uh, across the board i i I actually feel comfortable saying that across the board i feel like we hold sexual sin to a higher like you shouldn't do this but one of the two of the things that i personally think that we find okay are materialism oh okay i see where you're going yeah yeah because Mm -hmm. There is this element, uh, and particularly in America, of I've worked for it, I deserve it, it wasn't given to me, you know, and this is a conversation my wife and I have frequently. Um, do, we, do we elevate our material possessions to, to a, a position that we shouldn't? And um, so I think that's one, it's just materialism, we seem to overlook that. Um, I won't go completely into this, but if you as a listener choose to do this, I think this is one of those things that Willow Creek, which is a church in Chicago and their lead pastor is Bill Hybels. And if you want to go to Christianity today, you can read in a kind of detail, probably more than you want of just, um, even when it's not substantiated, a pastor who has had a um, decades-long ministry can be brought down very quickly over sexual sin. And I'm even going to say sexual sin in quotes. But I'm also going to say that there are probably people in the church that have issues of um, sin related to materialism that never gets looked at. It's like we don't even acknowledge it. It's like it's not even on the radar. It's like we're okay with big houses. We're okay with multiple vehicles. We're okay with yachts. We're okay with jets. It's like I remember even watching, and I won't say who this is, but I remember watching a Christian TV show where two guys were sitting there legitimizing why they had to have a private jet to be effective (laughs) in ministry. (laughs) I can't ride coach. Jesus disallows it. Yeah. And honestly, and I'm going to go somewhere we don't go very often in this podcast, but it's complete bullshit. I mean, it really is. I, I just can't even swallow that pill. It's crap. I, you're, you're rationalizing and I do the same thing. So their judge is God, not me, but um, I think gluttony in America is an issue. And I'll own that one as well. <laughs> um, but I just, I think there are certain things that get elevated to a, a level. And I didn't mean to get on my soapbox. I'm sorry. Um, because we all have to answer to God and I can't answer for anybody else. And I need to be accountable for myself. And I'm grateful for what <laughs> Jesus has done for me. And um, I am a sinner, but I do believe that sexual sin gets elevated to a place that some other things don't. 
And I see an awful lot of Christians just rationalizing materialism, gluttony, those sorts of things, um, or just not even being attuned to them. It's like, it's not even on, on their radar. So, and I think there's a little bit of this with what Paul is saying in terms of being a Jew. There's, there's kind of this idea of I'm okay. I'm set. I'm good. I don't, I don't need Jesus. I don't need forgiveness. I don't need to be justified. Yeah. And that's, that's the, the cultural um, context contextualization that I was talking about earlier is where, where does the, the things that your culture upholds as Mm -hmm. good as um, things you should aspire to, where do those things gel with scripture and where do those things contrast with scripture? Mm -hmm. And that is a very tricky thing to navigate if your only experience is your culture. Mm -hmm. Now, if you are, able to get outside of your culture for a bit of a culture shock or a bit of a reset, like a missions trip to a third world country. Um, that can help you go, holy crap. I didn't realize a through Z of the things I was taking for granted or had not even considered were materialism or gluttony or. Yeah. There's probably a list of things. Yeah. Or selfishness or things I was being complacent about or things I was taking for granted, like the lights and the water turning on when I turned the switch or the faucet, like those sorts of experiences can give you a hard reset on what you thought was normal and help you better understand what scripture is saying and help you then better adjust what you expect, uh, how you understand scripture. When I look at, let's go another place we don't usually go. When I look at the number of people who are politically conservative to the extreme, but also claim to be Christians, but are racists and bigots and sexists and don't realize that they're incredibly wrong, that think that scripture preaches the things that they believe in, that <laughs> screams to me someone who has never understood the difference between American culture and Christianity mm-hmm. and the vast gap that is between those two things. And that's not to say I'm some flaming liberal. No, I'm in the middle. I'm a very happy moderate. I like certain <laughs> things about the right and certain things about the left. And I dislike many, many things about both. Yeah. But it is alarming to me when contextualization of scripture and an understanding of your culture is so just absent that people will tell you you cannot be a Christian unless you're a Republican or you can't be a Christian unless you believe th- this. You're a, you're a, a, a premillennialist on revelation and dang it. If you're not, you're going to hell or, or uh, uh, what's his face. Ken Ham from the creationist museum. Seven if you days. don't believe in the seven day creation. You're not a real Christian. Screw you. That's I, I I don't have time for people like that. I'm being we're being competitive. <laughs> My point is this. We don't get to make the rules. Apparently the world's ending in a day or two. I didn't know that. Yeah, who knows? So maybe maybe this will never actually get out before the world ends. <laughs> but it wouldn't be the first time the world is supposed to end that I've lived through. Um 
I, I come back to this. When it comes to scripture and our standing before God, our standing before God is determined solely upon Jesus and our faith in him or not. That is it. And when it comes to our understanding of scripture, it, it comes down to, is our understanding of scripture inherently tied to our cultural situation or is our understanding of scripture separate from that in a way that it can shed a light on our cultural experience and say, these are good things. These are bad things. And I think that one of the things that is so incredible about scripture and about the Bible is that no matter what culture you're in, no matter what time you live in, no matter what country, what language, what, what ideals are had, scripture can speak into every single situation. Mm -hmm. And so if we can learn anything from Paul's, um, you know, writings on, on being a, a Jew of Jews and then God reaching out to the Gentiles and loving the playing field, it's, it's that we are 100% reliant upon God for our salvation, for our understanding of scripture, for the, uh, the progress that we can have as his children in understanding who he is and the world that we live in. And there is just all sorts of room for growth and understanding there, but it does not happen to people that are passive in their faith or in their lives. Like we have to be actively engaged in scripture, in our communities, in in the living out of our faith, because that's the only way we're going to gain the experiences necessary for us to understand and to kind of maybe get kicked in the butt a few times to help us realize, to open our eyes to what's actually happening. And yeah, I don't know. That's, that's kind of what I have to say. I don't really know what else to say other than I'm like, not going to go to bed to like three in the morning tonight. Cause my brain is like <laughs> moving a million miles an hour right now. <sighs> Anyways. Yeah, I, you know, I, a few thoughts that I've had is just one, Jesus completely turned upside down the religious. Everything. Yeah. <laughs> of his day. Um, I think the second thing is, is we're completely dependent on him to justify us and to forgive us and to make us righteous in God's sight. And you know, I, I think we cling to the essentials. I, you know, I, I think we have to believe that Jesus was fully man and fully God. I think we have to believe that he died on the cross for our sins. I think there are essentials to our faith beyond those core uh, beliefs. I think we need to be better at being gracious towards each other um, because and I may be absolutely wrong with this, but I suspect that he may reveal one thing to another person that is contradictory to what he reveals to another person. And I don't believe we have a divisive God. I believe we have a God that unifies us, but I think ultimately we have to be obedient to him and what he is revealing to us and our hearts and not be so worried about anybody else. And as I look at Christianity 
in 2018. For me, Dave, one of the things that I see is, is I feel like we're awful worried about what other people are doing <laughs> and not so worried about our own selves. And so if or, God, or we're awful worried about what other people are doing. And that makes us even more worried about things about ourselves that are not actually important. Yes. I could, I could agree with that. Yeah. I think they're both true. I yeah, absolutely. So, um, my thoughts would be for myself. And if this benefits anybody else, then great is I need to be, make a better effort to be quiet before him and listen to him, spend time in the word, spend time in prayer and just asking him, what, what is it that I need to do today? How can I be light? How can I be salt to the world uh, that is around me and not be so worried about what somebody else is doing? And again, it's not, I got to do works and I got the right, do the right thing because I know I'm forgiven. I know that's be, that's grace. It's something I can't earn, but I do think there's this element of, I can certainly be better about, um, what he's asking of me personally to do. And I need to focus on that and not what he's calling somebody else to do. Yeah. Yes. Hmm. So that was invigorating. That was invigorating. And, and when Cam and I sit down before these microphones, we're like, well, if it lasts 30 minutes, we'll be happy with that. And I think we're approaching an hour now. So or, yeah, we're at just about 50 minutes, 50 minutes. So if you've stuck with us as long, we're very grateful. And yeah, seriously. High five. <laughs> Boom. Um, yeah. Thanks so much for listening. Um, if you're a regular, you know where to find all of the show notes, the links, all that stuff. If you're new, uh, and you're listening on your phone, they're all right there. Scroll down, scroll left or right, depending on your app. There'll be links to Dave's Twitter, my Twitter, our email, our show notes. And um, yeah, just really, really glad that you guys uh, and ladies are listening. Uh, if you do want to get in touch, again, you've got the, the Twitter and the email links in the show notes. Um, if you want to check out the other shows on our network, you can go to supermegacorp.net, click on the podcast button, and a list of shows shall appear. Um, want to say thank you to Wilby, Katie, and Rachel, our ever, uh, what's the word I want to uh, use here, um, steady, continuous, reliable Patreon supporters that make this podcast profitable. Yes, three people on thank this planet. You make this podcast profitable. Yeah. Which is amazing. Yeah. Uh, if you want to join in on the fun, you can go to patreon.com slash super and see what's going on over there. And, uh, I guess until next time, um, bye. We'll see you later. Bye.